He could have used his shirt. Like the way panic move. He told Adam to use his shirt. It's way easier to grab a cell phone yep. with a shirt than a <laughs> mini tape recorder. And it was closer. He was like a foot and a half, maybe. He's like, oh no, I gotta, I gotta get that leg off. He wanted to kill Adam. <laughs> Welcome, friends, fellow playgrats, victims of Jigsaw. This is the first episode of Jig Squad Pod a podcast discussing the entirety of the Saw franchise. I'm Z, otherwise known as the Little Nan Online. I'm an illustrator and a horror fanatic, and for the last seven years, Saw has dominated a large part of my brain. It's become such an intrinsic part of my personality that I have an annual rewatch of the first movie on the anniversary of my first watch. It's hard to say why Saw grabbed me the way that it did. It's not like I think that the films are perfect, or that it's the scariest horror franchise, the goriest horror franchise, or even that I prize gore as a selling point of horror movies. It's really none of that, and it's kind of all of that as well. I mean, it's about the characters, I think. The story? Maybe. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to pin down. Because this is a franchise that has spanned the last 20 years, it's really hard to just summarize what I like about it, what I don't like about it, what I think works, what doesn't. So, in an effort to kind of break down everything about the franchise, I've decided to create this podcast. Week by week, episode by episode, I will be joined by friends, fellow creatives, horror fanatics like myself, and we will be discussing the Saw franchise movie by movie so that we can really talk about everything it has to offer. It's going to get a little silly. How can it not? But it's also going to get a little serious because I truly think every movie has its merit. Every movie is someone's favorite movie. And a lot of these are not my favorite movie. But that doesn't mean that someone else doesn't like them. And for good reason. So join me, put on the pig mask, take up the mantle, become part of the Jig Squad. Now, there's no better way to start this series than by talking about the first movie, the one that started it all. And before we get into the discussion, I want to give a quick synopsis for those of you who, like I was not too long ago, unable to actually enjoy Saw for themselves. But maybe you're still interested. Or maybe it's been a while since you've seen the movies and you still want to listen to the podcast. Well, I'll give you a little quick play-by-play of Saw 2004. This movie is the story of two men, Dr. Lawrence Gordon and Adam, who wake up chained to the wall on either side of a bathroom. They have no idea how or why they're there, only that there is a dead body on the floor between them, and they have two cassette tapes with instructions for how to win the game they've just begun playing. For Adam, he simply must survive the night. For Lawrence, however, he has to kill Adam. He's not immediately sure why or even how, save for the gun clutched in the hand of the aforementioned corpse, but he elects to bide his time instead and figure out what's going on. As the night unfolds, the two realize their captor is the infamous Jigsaw Killer. Lawrence recounts the games with three previous victims. The first was a man named Paul who was faking mental health issues to get attention. Jigsaw puts him into a maze of razor wire, explaining that if Paul truly wants to live now, he'll have to cut more than just his wrists. Paul dies trying to escape the maze. The next victim is Mark, who had been faking physical illness. He wakes up naked in a room, covered in a flammable jelly, and Jigsaw informs him that he has been injected with a slow-acting poison. The antidote to this poison is locked in a safe in the room, and the combination must be deciphered from hundreds of numbers written on the walls. Mark only has a candle to light the room, which risks igniting the jelly on his body. The floor is also covered in broken glass. Understandably, Mark dies. 
The last victim Lawrence talks about is Amanda, who was a heroin addict. She wakes up wearing the now iconic reverse bear trap, which Jigsaw explains will rip her jaw permanently open if she doesn't locate the key in the intestines of the corpse in the room with her. Frantic to beat the clock, Amanda eviscerates the man, and in doing so realizes he wasn't dead at all, just paralyzed. Amanda survives. Now knowing the extremes of Jigsaw's games, Adam and Lawrence work uneasily together to find more clues to their own game, and maybe discover a way for them both to survive. In doing so, they realize why they're in the game at all. Lawrence stands accused of cheating on his wife, neglecting his family emotionally, and being disconnected from his patients. As for Adam, Jigsaw accused him of wasting his life by being a voyeur, and by that he means Adam has been surveying Lawrence at the employ of an anonymous man. This man is Detective Tap and he's convinced Lawrence is the infamous killer himself. Several months ago, Tap and his partner Singh had discovered one of Lawrence's personal effects at the scene of one of the murders. However, there had been no other connection, so they couldn't make an official arrest. But while working on the case, Tap and Singh figure out where Jigsaw's main warehouse is, in an attempt to an attempt to storm the place and take him by surprise. This ends poorly for both officers, with Singh dying in a gunshot booby trap, and Tap escaping with a slashed throat. The ordeal has driven Tap to near madness, and ever since he's been working solo, off the clock, to prove Lawrence is responsible. This includes paying Adam to follow Lawrence outside of work, and Tap setting up cameras outside of Lawrence's home. It's through this that we realize that someone else is in Lawrence's house. Zep. Zep is an orderly at Lawrence's hospital, and has taken Lawrence's wife Allison and his daughter Diana as hostages while Lawrence and Adam work through their bathroom trap. Eventually, however, time runs out and Zep attempts to kill Allison and Diana. Allison fights him off and Tap, who was luckily nearby and watching the monitors, draws the other man out of the apartment. The two race to wherever the bathroom Lawrence and Adam are in and fight their way down to that room. Tap gets killed by a stray gunshot and Zep barges into the room. Having overheard the altercation with his wife and child who are on the phone, Lawrence has a catastrophic breakdown. Though his time is up, he makes a last desperate bid to grab the gun from the corpse lying in the middle of the floor. Chained by the ankle, Lawrence has to cut off his foot while Adam screams in horror. He then grabs the gun, shoots Adam, and Adam collapses. Lawrence wails for his family, just as Zep opens the door, but it's too late. The rules are broken. Zep aims to shoot Lawrence, and Adam attacks him, knocking him to the ground and beating him to death with a toilet tank lid. Both Adam and Lawrence are in a state of blood loss hysterics. Lawrence tells him he's going to go get help. Adam begs for him not to leave, but Lawrence does. Alone in the bathroom and badly hurt from his gunshot wound, Adam searches Zep's pockets for a key to his own chain. Instead, he finds a tape recorder and realizes that Zep was not Jigsaw himself, but playing his own part of the game. Zep had been poisoned, and was told the only way to get the antidote was to kill Lawrence and his family, should Lawrence fail his game. It's in this moment that the corpse suddenly reanimates and rises from the bathroom floor. It's Jigsaw. He had been faking his death the entire time. He instructs Adam that the key to his chain had been in the tub with him, but Adam remembers seeing the lighted keychain slip away down the tub as soon as he had awoken. He is doomed. Jigsaw stumbles away from the bathroom and announces, Game over. Adam is left screaming for mercy in the dark, and the movie ends. It's a powerful way to end a movie. This is the movie that started a 20-year franchise, and netted a distinctly divisive reputation in that time. There's really no one way to feel about this movie because it definitely has its flaws, but it has a lot of merits. How could it not? So I figured the best way to break down this first movie and really start this podcast was with a first-time viewer. And my guest for this episode is my friend, Corey Domino. Corey is a video editor, improviser, and all-around comedy enthusiast. He's best known in the Atlanta improv scene for his Star Trek-based improv show, Captain's Log, performing this year at Dragon Con. With all this in mind, let's get into the episode. Congratulations. You are still alive. Most people are so ungrateful to be alive. Not you. Not anymore. Corey, welcome. Thank you, Z. So glad to be here. Thank you for coming on. I chose you specifically because you had not seen Saw before. Mm. And I think that is a really great way to start the show. (laughs) Yeah, I had a lot of questions watching this movie. (laughs) Yeah. 
that that makes sense. I mean, there is something very special about watching this movie for the first time. Um, I was curious to hear just like your first immediate like takeaways, reactions. How were you feeling as soon as the door closed? <laughs> I I really appreciate a low budget horror movie, mm-hmm. and I know this was like not like super super low budget, but uh, I think it was like around a million dollar budget. Yeah, what I saw was anywhere from a million to one point two, but yeah. So, like, there was definitely some... I think what what I really appreciate about horror movies, low-budget horror movies, is how they have to get creative with their limitations. And I I think where it was most apparent was the chase scene, where (laughs) it was clear they were both maybe in, like, a warehouse or something. Like, it was just dark all around them. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. They were in just an empty warehouse they filled with fog. Um, I always forget how bad that's... I forget that scene exists, honestly. (laughs) Which is crazy because it's during like the most climactic part. So it, it got to a point where it almost felt like Benny Hill. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Oh my god, there there's a lot of really fun creative editing is the most forgiving way to say it <laughs> because you are absolutely right. They had no budget and no time. I think they filmed this in around twelve days. Twelve days, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carrie Ellis and Lee Winnell, the leads, um, playing Lawrence and Adam. They shot their scenes chronologically, and then everyone else was like, "I think Danny Glover was on set for maybe a day." Oh wow! They did all his stuff in a day. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's impressive considering that he had at least some prosthetic makeup. This is true. I mean, maybe two or three days, but like really just no time at all, especially considering the scope. It's uh, it's a very wacky production that they had to deal with. I bet they had fun on set. Oh, God, yeah. Imagine seeing the bloopers of Saw. Mm, I would love Saw bloopers. I, I can't believe a movie came out in 2004 and did not give us bloopers. Yeah, even on the DVD? Uh, yeah, so there is actually like a making of and behind the scenes mini documentary on the uncut DVDs of which I have four because... Um, is it this, all the same DVD or like just different editions? Yeah. I have like four of the same printing of the same DVD and then like one that's just the regular not uncut, which actually has more scenes in it than the uncut version, which I realized too late. Wait, what? Yeah. No, there's, um, I don't know. What version did you watch? Did it say uncut or was it the one that was on streaming? Uh, it must have just been the one that was on streaming. Mm. Yeah, no, there's a scene toward the end when Lawrence is leaving. In one version of it, Adam calls to him again and says, are we going to be all right? And Lawrence says, I wouldn't lie to you. And that's the last thing they say to each other. But in the uncut version, that scene's not in there for some reason. Oh. Huh. Yeah. It's something I noticed because, well, I love these characters a little bit too much. So it is such a weird movie chronologically (laughs) to discuss. Because the first thing that happens in it, technically, by the timeline, is Amanda's scene. But that doesn't happen until, like, halfway through the movie. Um, oh, the the heroin addict that survived? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to refer to them like they're my <laughs> friends. <laughs> no, it's probably confusing. Um, yes, Amanda, the woman in the bear trap. Right, the reverse bear trap. Reverse bear trap. It is an important <laughs> distinction. Is that something that was invented for this movie, or is that, like, a thing? No, that was invented. So James Wan did most of the like practical construction for um, like props like that. I think he actually built the reverse bear trap and he did build Billy the puppet. Oh, okay. Yeah. James Wan, he built that in his apartment. And the first version of him is even weirder looking. He has a little bowler <laughs> hat. It's really cute. 
I have to say, Jigsaw, you can't have two, like, costumes. <laughs> you can't be the puppet guy and the pig head thing. No, so that's what I love about it. There's so many different symbols from this movie. There's, like, iconic shots. It's good. And, like, they, they try to explain that later. And I'm trying my best to keep it all just this movie. Because I know right. you don't know the rest of the movie. no clue. <laughs> now, I just start talking about Detective Hoffman. You're not going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But like it, it'd be like if Jason had his mm. hockey mask and then also had like a baseball hat or something. Mm-hmm. Like it was like two separate. It just <laughs> it, it, was, it irked me a little bit. Of like how you gotta you gotta be iconic, man. You can't just you can't just throw the, everything at the wall and see what sticks. I mean, can't he? He's uh, been doing this for twenty years now. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I guess the pig mask is like his persona, and the puppet is more like his mascot it's just this fun little guy (laughs) yeah he's not exactly like because it's not him it's like clearly supposed to be a separate entity he's not like dressed up as the puppet it's intimidation tactics hmm yeah and it works yeah that little puppet he's he's everywhere you can't i mean people call him jigsaw his name is actually billy the puppet's name is billy was that in the the puppet's name is billy no that's a later thing This is one thing I'll say for the whole franchise that, like, yes, it's infamous for, like, its own canon rewrites and, like, this actually happened this way. (laughs) But they do keep, like, a select number of things. They're like, okay, this is still part of the same story. This isn't, I don't know, insert other franchise where, like, yeah, it's the same concept, but we're focusing on this now. It's like, no, these are, like, the same players. I think um, Sarah Marshall described it as a unfolding soap opera. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> but the movie itself, the the first movie, the movie that Lee Winnell says is the only Saw movie, God bless him, Lee Winnell being the writer of this movie and the next two, but then he stepped back because mm. he didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and he just maintains, he's like, I don't want to start a franchise. I want to just do my movie and get out. And well, <laughs> that didn't work. It didn't do much else after this no he um he just keeps writing stuff that people are like turn this into a franchise he wrote the four insidious movies not including this most recent one and again he was like well i just want this to be one movie and they're like no you need to keep doing it <laughs> he's just too good he's a victim of his own success he absolutely is he is cursed but um this movie was written i think he said over the course of nine months just based on something that his friend james one had said like hey what if we did a movie where these guys are tied up and they got to figure out why and there's this mass killer and he's like okay why is the killer killing him and then i think he had like a health scare and he just started thinking about like well what if i had something so bad happen to me that it just changed my perspective on mortality yeah yeah i guess that and that that was i guess that was the that was the thing that was the whole thing of of the killers it's it's crazy too because like you would never suspect that this old man who has an inoperable brain tumor would be capable of this kind of stuff but i mean as uh zepp said he's a very interesting man to say the least mm-hmm. yeah uh, all-star performance from michael emerson as well <laughs> <laughs> i loved how like on the nose they tr- projected that like zepp was the killer oh yeah well that's what you're i don't know if you're meant to think it but you definitely do i remember thinking like oh well it's definitely this guy yeah like, it, obviously it had to be like it was so like <laughs> for one thing he's like one of the uh, the few other characters you see in the movie mm-hmm. that has like any lines and f- the minute you see him he's like he that guy has a name you should know <laughs> that if you appreciated 
people. It's like, oh, well, obviously <laughs> this guy did it. <laughs> yeah, no, I love I love how clear they project it. And you're just immediately suspicious. But I love that, like, when they show Lawrence's damning sins, he's just like the most neutral man possible. He is quite possibly the most boring person in existence. <laughs> And I don't know if it was just the way that, like, Carrie Elwes was doing American accent, because he sounded like a worse version of House. It is so funny. Yes, I I definitely agree. It is so funny toward the end of the movie, because I guess Lee Winnell and Carrie Elwes were just, like, so tired and sweaty and bloody and everything. Both of them are losing their American accents (laughs) at a breakneck speed, because Lee is from Australia. Oh. It really comes to... If you know that and you watch it again, you can hear it, and it's so funny. Neither one of them can do accents. Oh, wait, Lee Winnell is played Adam. Yes, oh, yes, sorry. Oh, I did not yeah. realize that. That this. Yep, see, this. Okay. I, they are my friends at this point. I just expect everyone to know as much about Saul as I do, and that's not, <laughs> that's not the point of the podcast. The podcast is to educate, and I need to keep myself on track. And I, I have the Wikipedia page up just to kind of like... Nice. Keep the characters' names in mind and remind myself of the plot. Well, I will give everyone landmarkers along the way. I'll do a Crib Notes version, but basically, yeah. Saw is largely about Adam, a wet rat of a man, <laughs> and Dr. Lawrence Gordon, an oncologist who is a little too distant sometimes because he's distracted by things, uh, trying to break out of a bathroom they're chained up in. And they're trying to figure out why they're in there. And we really just never get an answer why Adam's in there. Just a rat that's meant to die. <laughs> yeah, was he not appreciating life enough as a photographer? Um, I don't know. I Unfortunately, you just, through the franchise, we just don't get an answer why Adam <laughs> was even there. He was just wrong place, wrong time. And it's so funny. Yeah, your horrible sin is that you stalk people for money sometimes. I think his sin is he's probably the worst at what he does. Because if you're supposed to be like surreptitiously taking pictures of people, you don't use a flash. <laughs> hide around the corner too and he's like gotcha click gotcha Ooh, and he moves back like two inches (laughs) and also like he doesn't like dr lawrence doesn't really like he reacts to it but he doesn't like hey who are you why are you taking pictures of me yep yep he (laughs) does not react at all these men i don't want to say they're stupid but good lord But yeah, through their narrative of trying to figure out why and who and what, Lawrence gives one of the weirdest accounts of, hey, I know who's doing this by flashing back to a scene that he was not present for. (laughs) Unless it was a really detailed news article that he read. Hey, maybe. I can see him like, I mean, he was working away on his chunky little laptop. I'm sure he was on NY Times and everything. But yeah, no, this jigsaw killer is out there putting people in these horrendous traps and giving them these ultimatums that really make you think did you of the three traps that we saw the razor wire the reverse bear trap and poor mark with the glass and the the combination and the poison oh yeah (laughs) did you like any of these traps did did any of them grab you in any kind of way uh i don't know it reminded me kind of like seven like the movie seven Mm -hmm. but i don't feel like they were i guess some of them were kind of thematic like the guy with the razor wire, it was, he had like tried to slice his wrists or something. Yeah, for attention. For attention, which that feels like a judgment call. Sure. Uh, Jigsaw. <laughs> uh, Jigsaw's not a super forgiving person. I don't know if you got that. Just, you know, you don't know people's backstories, Jigsaw. Yeah. 
<laughs> you can't prove this man did not have mental illness. Come on. <laughs> mental illness can look like anything. It's not just... <laughs> That's what you say instead of getting out of the trap you're like hey you don't know me buddy <laughs> <laughs> so that one was kind of thematic the one with the combination it was too like much. that it was overkill yeah because it had it was a glass on the floor plus he was covered in like jelly napalm or something jelly. i don't some kind of like uh, flammable substance mm, smeared <laughs> So, like, that one was clearly impossible, because, like, what, are you just going to keep trying? But then, why didn't he blow out the candle? <laughs> I don't know. There was no time. This man, I mean, we don't know how long that actually took, because they were, like, we're not going to spend too much time on this no. one. This well, one sucks. And there was so much fast, like, time lapse that it was kind of silly looking. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is a wild trap. It is probably the, I'm not going to say the most unfair in the franchise, but it just does not compare to the other three. I guess the implication is that it was like, we, the audience are seeing light in the room, but it's probably a completely dark room, which is why he'd need the candle to mm. do it. But at that point, you might as well just blow it out and like try to crack the safe with your ear. Yeah. Actually, that dovetails nicely into one of the things I took notes on this time is uh, the lighting mm. situation. Which, for meta reasons, is obviously... It's 2004, we got no budget, and we can't risk people not seeing stuff. But I I just like how stuff is lit in a very unrealistic way so that you can see stuff. Like the uh, -the glow-in-the-dark X when Adam turns out the light. That just... I thought it was just like a projection. I didn't realize it was supposed to be glow-in-the-dark paint. I thought it was like, oh, they're just shining a light on this. That's kind of how it looks like it was shot, but I guess... In the dialogue, he did say that it was yeah, <laughs> it was glow in dark paint. Yeah, but I, I really like it because it's like okay, this is a story we're telling you. This is not realistic. This did not happen. But if I can get into my high concept, please interpretations. Yeah. Oh, I have notes. I I'm not normally watching this with such a like film brain. Like this is a comfort movie. This is something I put on every year. It's fun. But when I was actually watching it this last time, I realized that like through all this like weird dream like unrealistic stuff this is kind of like an urban legend that we're being told by someone you know because like the first shot is adam unconscious underwater right like i i've had that dream where i'm underwater and i'm just not breathing like if if you were unconscious and you were had two inches of water over your face you would immediately get up you you'd choke you'd die yeah but he's he's under there for a while um which i always find really interesting and really dreamy and cool and it's like okay well what's going on here and then contrasting that to like the crazy editing style of the panic scenes where like the reverse bear trap it's spinning all around it's crazy uh the razor wire when he's just like thrashing like my husband actually put it as this is showing you what you would feel not what you would do that makes sense. Yeah. And I really like that. I don't know if that's what they're going for. If this was just, we don't have very much footage. We need to work with what we have. But it works really nicely into this kind of dreamy urban legend campfire story thing. Yeah. I mean, even, I think Adam even mentioned, he's like, oh, my kidney's gone. He tell someone, so like, even that like brings it into the urban legend realm early on you are so right that is such a good point yes this is what they do to you it's like okay who's they (laughs) we can only speculate on the black market 
legally. Oh, yeah. I, I don't have any personal experience on the black market, but I imagine it's not good. Yeah. Let's see. I'm looking back in my notes. Oh, yeah. Um, I noticed that like a consistent theme through this, along with like urban legends and hearsay and everything is just like facades and lies. The amount of time that they say like, he's lying to you. Stop lying. My camera doesn't lie during that one confrontation toward the end. I did laugh out loud at that, that line because like cameras lie all the time. It's it's pretty easy to make a camera lie. <laughs> like you can crop out. You can choose to highlight certain things and like, yeah, your camera can absolutely lie like these pictures are proof positive because literally all those pictures are showing was dr lawrence like in his car in a parking garage somewhere that's true adam got literally no proof other than he was in a location (laughs) and i don't quite understand what the nature of his like affair was because he had his briefcase with him Mm, yes oh i want to talk about this actually on the note of like hey jigsaw you don't actually know people that well and then the movie just punishing lawrence for being an absent father being an absent doctor whatever it is we're meant to assume upon first viewing because i definitely did like oh this is the person his intern he's having an affair with her but if you stop and like listen to the dialogue she's referring to him as dr gordon she fumbled it so bad paging him while he was at home with his family and everything like this is the first time they've ever met outside of the work environment like this affair has not begun to start like so he almost cheated and he almost neglected his family but he didn't do either one (laughs) really i mean he was a little boring telling the story to his daughter but other than that yeah that is an all-star scene from carrie ls for sure and also like he was they came in and his his wife was like come read your daughter a story and he's like hold on let's let me finish this and then literally like 10 seconds later (laughs) he did like it was fine but but the way the wife reacted it was it was like he told him to like go you always do this get out of Get out of here. Don't bother me. He's just like, no, hold on. It's like, let me finish this paragraph. And then like, as soon as they turned around, he's like, okay, I'm done. Let's, let's read that story. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so funny. Like it, people are being punished for like the most mid reasons. <laughs> But also, like, um, one of the interpretations I've had of this for a long time is, like, if Jigsaw John Kramer had just watched Scrubs even once, <laughs> he would understand the complicated lives of doctors. No, I'm no Superman. I can't do this all on my own. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, he just needs to watch anything from Dr. Cox and he'll be like, you know what? Maybe I was too hard on my oncologist. <laughs> Oh, uh, oh, is that something that you caught um, that they fully show Jigsaw in the hospital bed? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, they I show mean, his think, full face. Yeah, I think that was I mean, didn't they flash back to that after the reveal? Yeah, actually, if you look on his bed desk, he is drawing the reverse bear trap. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> <laughs> he's fully designing it in front of people. <laughs> Well, he's in for an infusion. If Dr. Lawrence, <laughs> if he'd been paying more attention in hey. a better bedside manner, he would have seen that drawing. And then when he got called in the police, he would have been like, wait a minute. One of my patients was drawing this exact thing. <laughs> Did it look like this? And they're like, <laughs> oh, that's something as far as like, come on, man. What is this police work? His pen light that they connect to him is a mm. white pen light with no discerning features. 
his name wasn't written on it or anything? Not as far as you can see, or he can see, because he does rotate it a little bit. But like, it, it's to the point that like, it is the worst connection. It's like, how did you dust it for fingerprints? If so, why are Lawrence's fingerprints in your database? What did he do? Right. Yeah, how would that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that that's just like, a that is a pure plot hole, I think. M- maybe his initials were on like the end of it or something. I don't know how pen lights work. I hope so. LG. LG. <laughs> LG. Actually, I have a joke in my uh, Saw fan fiction that his middle name is Emmett, so his initials are Leg. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, his whole life was leading to this. Oh, wait. I'm just noticing, speaking of Leg, mm. the theatrical release poster on Wikipedia has a sawed-off arm. Yeah. But no one, no one sawed off their arm. Nope. I don't think. Nope. You will be surprised at the lack of saws in the next few <laughs> movies. Yeah, I guess they were. I mean, it's not like they were featured like super prominently in this one, other than him cutting off his own leg, which also I felt like if he had just thought it for two seconds, he could have used his he could have used his shirt like the way panic. Move. He told Adam to use his <laughs> shirt. It's way easier to grab a cell phone yep. with a shirt than a mini <laughs> tape recorder. And it was closer. He was like a foot and a half, maybe. He's like, oh, no, I gotta, I gotta get that leg off. He wanted to kill him. <laughs> I'm sick of this punk. <laughs> get him out of here. <laughs> no, I love it. Like, um, I actually took notice that, you know, uh, Adam calls him calm doctor guy at the beginning, and he is... He's eerily calm at the beginning. Yeah, he's so creepy for no reason at the beginning. <laughs> like, at, at first I was like, wait, is he the killer? exactly see because like you're entirely too calm in this situation i know I, hey that's more of the like weird urban myth like you never know who it is no he's like so calm and rational until he is like actually interfacing with his family in immediate peril and that always snaps him into like yelling screaming flailing cutting right. off limbs like that is his trigger point and i think that's really interesting that that's the thing that disturbs him especially because like his whole crime is like well you're not dedicated enough to your family it's like clearly he is yeah i mean if he wasn't dedicated to him then jigsaw would have had no leverage mm-hmm. absolutely it's like well i don't even care about them anyway <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna shoot this kid i don't know over these people i don't like <laughs> oh another uh meta note too on the just like energy differences between them they shot lawrence's scenes in the bathroom on like kind of a stabilized steady cam and adams was on a handheld to let you know he's kind of a uh an unknown quantity uh, it's kind of a little weirdo yeah, a little... and it did seem like they kind of flipped at the mm-hmm. end yeah yeah adam um i say adam. lee winnell <laughs> Lee Winnell uh, said in an interview that um, that that was fully intentional, that it kind of demonstrates their like mirrored personalities, their parallels, that each one of them has something that the other one needs. Right. And, and they can really only get out of this by working together. That being said, I do think that it's interesting that this trap seems to feel different from the other ones, not only because of the extended timeline that they're obviously given, and the fact that in some capacity they're meant to work together. But it seems like while they are more or less following the plan that Jigsaw prepared for, at the same time, they're still acting out within it, and they're not being punished directly for it. I mean, it's not entirely true, obviously, because trying to avoid poisoning Adam. Uh, right. Yeah, well- did he get electrocuted again? Is that- Yes, he got electrocuted twice, which is rough. But yeah, no, he is just uh, left to die. And I, 
this uh, goes back to the urban myth thing that, you know, and he was never seen again. And we don't actually know what happened. I mean, we can well assume that he just died of dehydration in a couple days, unfortunately. Well, I mean, no, he shouldn't die of dehydration. There's a bathtub right next to him. But he undid the plug. That was... Yes. Isn't oh, that part of it? Mm-hmm. He did. He Yeah. I mean, I assume it's a working tub. They filled it with water. That's true. Unless Jigsaw's carting in a couple gallons of water. I, so wait, did he put Adam in the bathtub and then sh- and then hurry over to the floor? <laughs> put down Scurry on over. <laughs> what I assume was fake blood. Yes. <laughs> possibly poisoned fake blood? Yeah, I guess there is poison in the blood. They actually never talk about that. Like, where did that come from? What is the poison? Is this poison actually, like, if you lit it on fire and smoked it, would that kill you? Like, what is that? Well, that's what I was wondering, because he specifically says you don't have to use a gun to kill him, implying that, like, you could use the cigarettes. Mm. But if it, if the blood wasn't poisoned, then what? how else would you be able to kill Adam with the cigarettes? You can kill someone with just cutting remarks. I suppose. And I think... <laughs> I think that's what he meant. He's like, you need to psychologically <laughs> torment this kid. <laughs> and Tobin Bell was really on the floor the entire time they were shooting these scenes. Uh, Tobin Bell playing Jigsaw. They had to like walk over him. So, okay, here's my the big question. Mm. How did a doctor not realize that someone was breathing in the middle of the room? I will just go ahead and answer it with the canon answer from a later movie. Uh, he injected himself with like a paralytic, basically. Okay, that's what I was thinking yeah. because it seemed similar to what Amanda had to like the the, the mm-hmm. Amanda's cellmate. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, that's a good connection. I don't think I've ever made that. I'm not sure if they meant the same paralytic, but hey, they keep using it, so it might as well be the same one. <laughs> but yeah, they um, James Wan and Lee Whannell were talking about when they were writing and they were like calling around to hospitals and be like, is there something you could inject someone with that would like paralyze them, but they'd still be conscious? And they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's for educational purposes. It's, <laughs> it's for my Minecraft server. <laughs> Okay, so that answers that question. That was the big one. But like, if he was paralyzed, but how would he, he would still be breathing. I guess he would just be like under enough that, so he wasn't aware or was he, was Jigsaw aware during this whole time? I'm going to go ahead and say he was aware just because it's fun. But Corey, Corey, I've said again, this is an urban legend. You are taking it too literally. (laughs) This is a movie. (laughs) No, I have to. No, I have to know. I need to know the truth. (laughs) Oh my god. See, what, there's, there's another line. Oh, one line that was it stood out to me is like, he was saying, when when you marvel at how perfect something is, that's how you learn how to fight it. It works that way with fighting disease, which... Lawrence is a freak. I don't know. <laughs> she's just like, oh, so fighting diseases is just like planning a murder? <laughs> yes, we're murdering the disease. Oh yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> it's, a, it's a trolley problem. <laughs> Either kill the disease or kill the person. It's fine. <laughs> Medicine is just a thought exercise at the end of the day. That's true. So true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also thought that the fact that his lair was in an old mannequin factory felt very Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he looks like a Scooby-Doo villain because we needed to unmask him the whole time. That's true. Also, oh, th- this is something that was that really annoyed me when I, was, I recently just went through all the Scream movies. Oh, God. But when Danny Glover, like, had the gun on him, why didn't he immediately, like, unmask him? He... <sighs> They, they say that he had a nervous breakdown after Singh, his partner, got killed, but I think he was just always unhinged. Like, he's a crazy man. He doesn't make any sense. For sure. Well, yeah, he was too close to it long before his partner died. 
Yeah, we don't know how he was handling these other cases. I don't I don't trust him. I don't trust this guy. I will say shout out to Singh. I do love his performance. We miss him every day. Uh is that the his partner? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, um, fun meta note, because they had no money. And when they were like editing the footage, James Wan realized that they didn't have some key shots. So they just instead of calling the actors back in and having to pay them more, he just got Lee Wanell to stand in for a lot of stuff. Uh... Including some shots of uh, Detective Singh from the back and when he's first coming into the warehouse and it's just his hands and his gun. That's Lee Wanell. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think it's funny. Also, um, this is in the uncut version. I don't know if it made it in the regular. When Amanda is going through the guy's guts, uh, the close-up on her hands, that's Lee Winnell's hands. Oh, I do remember her going through guts. Yeah, I mean, how could you forget? (laughs) I don't know. I I love it. They're like, all right, well, we just got to make do with what we have. This is our first movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I really love the, like scrappiness of low budget horror movies oh yeah that's why i keep going back to like early 2000s horror movies in general they're so grungy and nasty looking and this seemed like it was probably one of the last low budget horror movies to be shot on film Mm. i think it was it looked like it was shot on film at least uh i i would be surprised if it wasn't honestly just given the time i imagine it was around this time that like was it 28 days later maybe it was like one of the first, I don't know what you call it, mainstream, low-budget horror movies that was, like, shot on video. I don't know, actually. I don't know. Because I remember that being, like, a big... The idea that the they shot it with a high shutter speed to make it feel more, like, frantic and jittery. Mm. I don't know. I, you know, I, I feel like I should look more into that side of the production. I know, I know so much about Saw and yet nothing. <laughs> And I think that's how it's intended to be. <laughs> yeah, you like it on on that, like you said, like the comfort food level. Oh, absolutely. Well, I do think that it's genuinely such a good movie. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it speaks so much that you can know there's a twist coming, but the ride is insane enough that you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll watch this again. I, I just changing the way I'm thinking right now, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. I didn't get spoiled. Like I knew there was a twist. And I think just watching mm-hmm. it, I was like, okay, there's got to be a twist because it's entirely too obvious that <laughs> Zep is the killer. Like, he's... I've never seen a red herring go that long in a movie. I know. It's kind I of know. amazing. We're really all just pawns in Jigsaw's game. Ah, the game never ended. It never ends. It's still it's still going on. <laughs> it's all around you. Well, that's what I loved the first time I watched it because Jigsaw felt like such an ethereal, larger-than-life character that I'm like, he could be anyone. Mm-hmm. He, he just knows what you've done wrong and he's coming to get you and you're never going to see it coming so was the implication that he was overhearing all these things in the hospital (laughs) i think so well he obviously has a somewhat personal relationship with lawrence because he's his treating oncologist Mm -hmm. i don't know i think they go into some of his relationships in later movies because it's like god he just keeps going after these people but at sometimes there are just people that he doesn't know and he just chooses them because it would make sense because the guy who attempted suicide probably would have been at the hospital the Mm. heroin addict probably maybe od'd or something and was at the hospital Mm -hmm. the i can't remember what the the guy the safe cracker guy mark what was his deal he was pretending to be sick to get attention ah well there you go yeah he and paul actually have very similar sins because they're both lying to people to get attention but in different ways uh wait which one was paul the guy Paul is, sorry, Paul is Razor Wire guy. Razor Wire, okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Interesting. Played by Mike Butters. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he was originally who they wanted to play Jigsaw. And then he said that the part wasn't as exciting and he didn't have enough to do. Oh. Well, it's like, yeah, but man, if you had done that, you would have had your career for the next 20 years. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, would it be a success without Tobin Bell's beautiful, creepy voice? I don't know. Yeah. You never know. And the way he, he got up was disturbing. Oh, it's like he's being born. It's great. <laughs> it's like a newborn deer. Yeah, there was something very unnatural about it. wasn't just a, a person getting up. Yeah. It definitely looked like a zombie. Like it was suddenly going to turn into a zombie movie. Oh, my God. At, the, at like the last five minutes of the movie. <laughs> I mean, kind of it was. It's all about birth and death and being reborn. Because that's how they refer to... Uh, amanda as being reborn through these trials like she says he helped me and i just find that so crazy that you could come away from that experience and not be like worse than you've ever been so i guess that was the implication that like she saw how terrible heroin was in that moment because the guy was not <laughs> reacting to her stabbing him uh, no um it was just like hey you're throwing your life away are you gonna fight for it now i don't think it was specifically heroin related but uh, okay uh, yeah, Detective Tap really puts a weird pinpoint on her heroin addiction. It's like, come on, man, I've been through enough. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't like faking it. Yeah, I guess if you're a if you're Jigsaw and you're dying of cancer and you see someone her age just like, all right, I'm a junkie now or whatever. It'd be like, yeah, come on, man. I'm pissed. And it's your fault. <laughs> and we're saying this in the language of Jigsaw's logic. Obviously, people don't just go out and become heroin addicts intentionally. Right. Oh, oh, Jigsaw. Oh, Jigsaw. That could be the title of this show, honestly. Oh, Jigsaw. <laughs> oh, Jigsaw. Ugh. Silly, silly, silly boy. It's a, it's a silly movie with silly people <laughs> and silly characters doing their silly little games. <laughs> So, okay, the the puppet is silly, but I guess it's to, like, you know, have something there. But he could have just worn the pig mask and done those videos, too. I don't think he could talk through that. Oh, it would have been, like, flopping around. <laughs> like, wait, what? I <laughs> Just, like, wet meat noises. <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know what you want me to do <laughs> what? that was the first couple victims he had the ones you didn't see absolutely oh my god yeah well <laughs> well that's what i like too like the implied legacy of like lawrence is like yeah i heard about this guy he's been in the news it's like okay how many victims does he actually have how long has he been doing this did he have some absolute flops <laughs> That didn't work. The machines all broke. People got out maybe, easy. Maybe he did some tests. Maybe he tested it. He did diorama all these things. This is true. He's a little artist. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay. One of my notes I, I wanted to ask you about was, I think Danny Glover's character mentioned that he, like, arrested a dentist that was, like, on the same block or, like, a couple blocks away from Dr. Lawrence. Mm -hmm. And he said something along the lines of, like, they they have the same sewer lines. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? What do you what does that have to do with any of this? Someone that you arrested before as the same <laughs> It's a metaphor. Oh, it was a metaphor for like It's a metaphor. Yeah. He's saying that like even though you look like this nice uh upper class uh all around good oh. guy, there's no reason that you wouldn't also be gotcha. evil and gross. You know, the sewer lines are all over the place. Like none of us are immune. I thought that was like 
I don't know. He's Lee thought like, he was literally like, hey, he was down in the sewers and we found him. If you, you could use these sewers to get around. Because they did kind of use the sewers at the end of the movie. <laughs> they did. Well, hey, this goes back to that like weird, mythical, what time and place is this going on? Because it's like, I don't understand the layout of any of this. And it's wonderful. <laughs> For time, I actually saw a meme that said exactly what day it was. Yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I gotta go back and check if it actually was uh, September 10th, 2020. Uh, 2000. God, you know, everyone knows the day. I don't need to talk about it. <laughs> well, I'll never forget. I'll forget. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, there's that other thing, too, that like, in the Saw fandom, there's a lot of like debate of where this actually takes place. And I, for my purposes, I always say it's New York. It just feels kind of New York or East Coast, at least. It feels like an East Coast story. Yeah. But um, there's some things that are like, well, they showed this map here and that's like a map of downtown DC uh, or this looks like a New Jersey plate or, you know, whatever. Hey, like, uh, like any good boogeyman story, it can happen anywhere, anywhere USA. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And they even say city hospital is where lawrence works and i'm like that's not real you didn't even try it's the city of townsville from powerpuff girls yeah yeah god what a wild city they got a serial killer and radioactive monsters and little kindergartners beating them up that's the crossover oh <laughs> powerpuff girls will return to defeat jigsaw <laughs> God, insert the uh, the narrator voice at the end of every episode. <laughs> Jigsaw teaming up with like Mojo Jojo. Oh, uh, you know, that would be a pretty good matchup because Mojo loves building things. I'm sure he would love to build some kind of like Rube Goldberg-esque mousetrap style trap for the Powerpuff Girls. I feel like he definitely has. I would have to do a rewatch. I'm sure he's done something like that. You know, and everyone's like, oh, this is just Saw for kids. Or uh, what? They say that about um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. This is just Saw for kids. <laughs> like, hmm. Kind of. Except those kids actually deserved it. They are. Well, hey, some of these people deserve it. <laughs> we are, we're all uh, logging into the Church of uh, Jigsaw here. He's got some points to be made. And the the next sequel, Jigsaw, is going to have someone inflate to uh, Big Blueberry. Oh, does that happen? <laughs> I guess that was maybe more like seven, I think. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of, I think Lee Winnell has said in interviews that seven was a pretty big source of inspiration, or at least it's one of his favorite movies, which it's a great movie, so I can definitely see that. Oh, but actually, that that leads me to an interesting thought. You, as never having seen any of the Saw movies, you know there's nine more. Nine? Where do you think that, there? well, there's Saw 10 coming out this October. Oh, my God. <laughs> Only in theaters. Be there. I will be, unfortunately. I'm <laughs> blood-bound to it at this point. But um, where do you think this franchise goes? <laughs> if you had to pitch something. <laughs> I mean... I guess I guess I would assume that it's just more victims. Yeah. And maybe I guess they explore more of Jigsaw's backstory. Mm. That would probably be a safe bet. But stretching it out over that many movies. Maybe I'd say if I had to guess, I would say maybe that Jigsaw, maybe he gets an apprentice at some point or he has to pass the mantle because if he's got this brain tumor, how much longer could he be doing this? Like, mm -hmm. it, it seems almost surprising that he was able to even plan these ones out because- a brain tumor in your frontal lobe, you can't have much time left. No, no. Well, I mean, you are very close. 
that's uh, the plot of uh, the next couple movies, actually, yeah. It's like training his replacement? Mm, mm-hmm. Oh. Without giving too much away, yeah. Does he, like, is... <laughs> You don't have to tell me if I'm right or not, or maybe you do. But is the game? Do the games turn out to be like training courses for his replacement? Oh, I love how you phrased it. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, if you survive this, then maybe you can be. Do you have the, the right next stuff? Jigsaw. <laughs> have you got it in you? <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, it's wait, it's it's to bring it back to Carrie Elwes. It's the Dread Pirate Roberts. It, Jigsaw is just an idea. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> See, this is why I get a first-time viewer on. I'm not going to be able to do that for the rest of them, I don't think. But, like, this is why. Because, like, you know, for a calendar year, this is what we had. And this was the intention to leave people guessing, where are we going? And the legacy. And honestly, I would suggest that, like, in some ways, I would suggest just watching this movie and that's it. But in other ways, I mean, it's an interesting story. And a lot of what you said gets touched on and um, they do their own thing with it. It's really interesting. That is interesting. Do you see more of things from Jigsaw's point of view? I mean, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that would yeah. that would be interesting. So I, I saw in the most recent Scream movie, not to spoil anything, but I at the beginning of it, I was really excited that I was hoping that we would have a movie from Ghostface's point of view. Mm. Like I would actually love to see a like a horror movie or specifically a Scream movie, I guess, mm-hmm. where you see all the like setup that has to go on behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, because it is complicated there's a lot of ins and outs and like being at exactly the right time and with ghostface like coordinating between Mm -hmm. sometimes two or three people yeah it's interesting yeah all right i think that we have pretty much covered the breadth of it um (laughs) i think so got through all my most of my notes yeah same here that weren't just like carrie elwes's accent so bad yeah we can do a final round of just slamming everyone <laughs> this is lee winnell's first real acting role this is carrie elwes um millionth but i think it's his first horror role oh uh, probably i thought lee winnell did a good job i thought his accent was good i did i didn't tell i couldn't tell that it was not an actual American accent, but... Yeah, I'm proud to say that he's only gotten better, too, because um, he has been working as an actor for the last 20 years here and there, and, I mean, when he puts in the effort, it's good, but if it's, like, the bye-bye man, it's not very good. <laughs> I will say that, so toward the end, when Carrie El was, was, like, saying... <laughs> his foot was off, he was, like, bleeding out, he's so pale. <laughs> yes, let's talk about the... And he's like, I'll go get help! It's like, what? <laughs> How are you going to get help? You're going to die on the way. Like, like you kind of, I don't think you can even get out of this room, much less go get help. He is ghoulish looking. He is pasty. He's stuttering. He's whimpering. It's, it was all done. I don't want to say all in one take, like a single shot, but they didn't have many takes. They had to just do it. <laughs> so that's what we have. <laughs> if I could go back in time and fund them, like, just another million dollars so they could do multiple takes. I think we would really have something here. <laughs> yeah, they probably only if it was shot on film, they probably were like, no, we can't yeah. can't afford it. Can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> Other performances of note, Shawnee Smith, who played Amanda, mm-hmm. reverse bear trap. I thought she was fantastic. I love her crying face. Her outfit is weird. With the cutoff sleeves. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're just sleeve caps that are, like, midway up her arm. They're not even attached to the shirt. What? Yeah. Go back and look it up. It's a wild fit. But it's iconic. So we can't put a price on that. (laughs) Speaking of performances, um, the daughter, Diana, played by Alexa Vega, I think. (laughs) 
It's actually Mackenzie Vega, her younger sister. She, during her hostage scenes, was doing such an amazing job. Carrie Ellis came over and asked her how she does it so well. <laughs> <laughs> He's asking tips from a nine-year-old. <laughs> god and she's good i mean you believe it i was legitimately concerned for that Mm -hmm. little actor it seemed traumatizing yeah i mean no no kids uh harmed in this movie and i don't think in any any of the other movies really that's good yeah also worthy to note that uh there's uh no women die in this movie oh interesting no only men die (laughs) good for them good for them lee winnell real feminist (laughs) not clickbait (laughs) overall it's it, it's one of my favorite movies. It's something to come back to. It's fun. It's stupid. It, you can take it as seriously as you want or not. What are your overall feelings just distilled down? Hmm. My overall feelings are... I liked it. I think I liked it overall. <laughs> Despite the kind of silly moments of it, I, like I said, have a soft spot for these like scrappy low-budget horror movies. Mm-hmm. And... You can just see the creative passion come through, mm-hmm. uh, even even if it's imperfect. And it's kind of refreshing to see stuff that's kind of imperfect now that everything seems to be so polished. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Polish is a huge thing. And again, trying to keep my thoughts contained to this movie. But by the time we get to not even the seventh Saw movie, which was the last one of like this storyline... But when we get to Jigsaw, which came out in 2017, it's a modern movie. It's so slick and like sharp and clean and everything. It's just so weird. That is weird. Especially since I feel like the aesthetic really adds to... It's gotta be gross. Yeah, it's gotta be gross and grungy and sweaty. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Even in in the non-like Saw scenes, everyone's like really sweaty. Yeah. You gotta be sweaty. Apparently it was really hot in that bathroom too, so... I I believe it. (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right well we are just at basically an hour and i think that's um yeah more than enough uh (laughs) that's more than enough we're like close to the runtime of the actual movie (laughs) that's how i'm going to formulate these each podcast is going to be the length of the movie (laughs) you just tell someone to like start the movie and then watch the podcast or listen to the podcast oh yeah a a conflicting commentary I'm not talking about what's going on on screen. You just got to pay attention. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I want to thank you so much for giving Saw a chance, giving Jig Squad Pod a visit. You've been amazing. Thank you. I had so much fun. Good, good. I'm glad to hear it. Are you a uh, convert of Jigsaws then? Will you be uh, joining the cause, taking up the mantle? <laughs> what do you say taking up the mantle? <laughs> you put the pig head on. <laughs> I, it does make me want to go and watch at least the next couple of Saw movies. Yeah, for sure. My recommendation is always, uh, hey, the first three are according to the original writer, Canonical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's all jazz, baby. <laughs> From there. <laughs> and that's a wrap on episode one. I want to thank Corey again for coming on the show and remind you to keep an eye out for his Star Trek improv show, Captain Slog, performing at DragonCon this year. Schedule updates will be found on DragonCon site as the event approaches Labor Day weekend in Atlanta. I also want to thank you, dear listener, for making it through the episode with us, legs intact and heads unreversed bear-trapped. And I'd like to thank my supporters on Patreon for making this show possible. If you'd like to support me on Patreon and get these episodes a week early, as well as any other content like art and life updates, you can find the links to my social media in the show notes, as well as the show's Twitter. But until next time, this is Jig Squad Pod signing off. Game over. Game over.